0: Welcome to Friendline. I'm Barbara Kosofsky, here with my favorite critic, Courtney Small.
1: Hello, how are you doing today?
0: Excellent. How are you?
1: I am doing well. Um, we are all trying to stay afloat in the craziness that is TIFF.
0: <laughs> yes, we are. I think you and I are doing a good job. Here we <laughs> are with uh, with our second show of Pick some favorites from the Toronto International Film Festival for 2022. And you're going to start us off, right?
1: Yes, um, I'll start us off with uh, one that I saw recently, and it's actually coming to theaters this Friday. So if you didn't catch it at TIFF, you can still be able to catch it in regular theaters. And it's The Woman King um, by Gina Prince-Bythewood. And it is a film that's set in... 1823 in um, Africa, where you have two essentially warring fractions. And one of them, the Dahomey, is led by a new king, played by John Boyega. And he essentially has an army that they've got a male unit and a female unit, but it's the female soldiers, um, the Agoji, Agogi, that are like these elite warriors. And they're led by the great Viola Davis. Um, and over the course of the film, they are the Dahomey um, clan empire is fighting the Oyo, which is more of like the villainous side, and they want to take over the Dahomey land. And the problems start to unfold as the Viola Davis's warriors they get some new young recruits. So this film kind of takes place from the point of view of this young recruit um, played by Thusoo. Um, Thusu Mbedu. I believe she was in. She started in the Underground Railroad series, and you start to see her kind of take us into this world, and we start to see the complexities of it. And I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I think it's a a really exciting film. Um, the action sequences are great, but I think what I really loved about it is, even though it's being sold as a this great action epic, which it is. There's a lot of complicated issues going on in this film. Essentially, you have both sides that are fighting, also working with the the Europeans, the colonizers. And the colonizers are are funding them with like, you know, um, weapons and making these both these warring clans wealthy. But as a trade-off, both these clans are also kind of contributing to the slave trade in various ways selling off like they're captured enemies so it takes this whole other more complicated um tone and it's 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 really interesting to unpack i i was not expecting it to handle have such like weighty subject matter within this epic women kicking butt type of film
0: wow that sounds amazing i can't wait to
1: see it it's, it's 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 very good the performances and you know we will discuss in-depth when you when you see it because i don't want to spoil it for people but i I recommend it i I highly recommend it
0: great yeah i know i can't wait to see viola davis as woman king Mm -hmm. can you imagine oh i mean okay to the listeners can you imagine guys wait (laughs) just wait okay i'm very excited about that one and
1: you saw one that i'm actually excited about um decision to leave do you want to tell us a little bit about
0: that Yes. Oh, I love Decision to Leave. Decision to Leave, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's not the best Park Chan-wook. It's not classic Park Chan-wook. It, it's great Park Chan-wook. Never mind. It. I don't know if it's classic or not classic. I haven't. I'm just still spellbound by it. I've just adored this film. And I think I adored it at fine because I'm a, a, a fan of film noir. And this is definitely a neo-noir and the wonderful thing about the way that this story unfolds is that uh, normally in, in noir, you know, you have like, it's mostly male centric, the care, you know, the story. And there's a femme fatale. And usually she, she sort of like creates the downfall or, you know, she, she's a bad woman. She does bad things and, and creates her own downfall. But then she also like, complicates things and you know she cannot be taken seriously cannot cannot do anything right in this case that gets flipped around and so let me just backtrack a little bit because I got a little excited uh so Park Chan-wook the director of Decision to Leave is the mo- he's most famous probably for a film called Old Boy which hey if you haven't seen it you have to see it it's got one of the most famous action sequences yep. in it actually one shot it's one continuous shot and that's all i'm gonna say so and it's just this wild film um and most recently he's um he's famous for a film called the handmaiden it uh it came out not too many years ago so uh like i said decision to leave is a neo-noir it's a police procedural there's a detective and a uh, murder. A murder has taken place, and it, the man's wife, the 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 person who died, is a man whose wife is suspected of killing. Him. It's very sus- uh, suspicious circumstances. Uh, and what makes it more suspicious is that her other her previous husband did not die under the same circumstances. But there were questions. Mm-hmm so so this sets up you know a classic femme fatale right bad girl and i'm going to use the word girl on purpose bad girl kind of a scenario yes as things as things unfold he develops feelings for her and what's interesting of course is park chan Wook. he never shoots anything in a very conventional way so the tension just between in the shots, in the cutting, in the way that he he just presents the scenarios, in the way that he presents our perception of what's going on, in the way that he presents just this simple scenario of this de- detective just trying to figure out what happened and interviewing her as the suspect. So just in that threadbare storyline, which is classic noir in itself, so much happened in terms of innuendo, in terms of the feelings between the characters, in terms of what we perceive is going on between them, and the twists and the turns, and then the power that this gives to her. And then she twists and turns, zigs. And so she's like, in noir, there's no real hero. There's an anti-hero. So in, in her own ways, like in terms of a woman, character in a noir this is an interesting twist for us i keep using the word twist but this film has just got so many wonderful twists they're Mm -hmm. they're brilliant um that things get twisted in such a way that she gets put in a power position in in so many different regards and that's all i'm going to say because you have to see it i think it's fascinating and never mind the other critics (laughs) <laughs> I mean, not that, they, not that the film's getting criticized badly. I'm just saying that some yeah. people, you know, some people are bringing up these like, that's not the best, but oh. they're wrong.
1: <laughs> well, there was a film I was going to discuss, but actually hearing you talk about Decision to Leave uh, reminded me of another one that I'm actually going to just jump ahead real quick. is Glass Onion. Uh, this is the sequel to Knives Out. the The official title is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Story. So the uh, famed detective Benoit Blanc is is back to solve a new case involving the uber wealthy, and it's filled with a star-studded cast. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. They've, you know, after the screening, they made it clear that they you, we're not to reveal the the numerous twists, but there are many. All I will say is, this film is an absolute delight. If you enjoyed the first *Knives Out*, you're gonna love this one because it's just more of the same kind of twisty fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously while still making a lot of commentary about modern society, kind of like how the, the first one did. And as I said, the, the cast, That's the cast yeah, is that stacked. sounds good.
0: Yeah, the cast
1: is stacked, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, and that's all I will say about that one. But highly recommend it. It's gonna come in theaters I believe later in the year and then it'll be on Netflix for sure because it's a Netflix production so it'll be in Netflix on in December and I think it'll probably be one of their biggest titles uh one that I will mention next and this one's been getting a lot of award buzz if you're into those things um is Woman Talking the new film from Sarah Pauly Uh, it's been a while since Sarah Pauly has gotten behind the director chair to um do a feature and this one is really good it's based on a novel or adapted from a novel and it's basically set in a mennonite colony where a, the women of this colony have essentially been drugged in and, uh, and abused at night and they're the men in the, in the community keep telling them that it's they're dreaming it's the devil it's all these things and then one night one of those men gets captured they identify him and he gets for his own safety he gets sent to jail so while the men of the community try and rally money to bail him out the women are left to decide and kind of vote amongst themselves whether or not they plan to kind of stay within the community stay and fight or pick up and leave so the entire film is um the women from three particular households weighing the pros and cons and talking about their lives and their experiences leading up to this particular decision Um, even though it's essentially a group of women talking for an hour and 45 minutes it does not feel like a play it's it it it, you you find yourself really getting involved with these these characters and their different stories and it's really well done and it's filled with just sensational performances from the ensemble cast like this. This cast is is fantastic. And I highly recommend that film.
0: Well, that sounds amazing.
1: And I know there's a film that we both saw that's also been getting a lot of award buzz. And it's by a director i believe his name is steven spielberg i think some people might have uh, heard of oh him. are
0: you sure are you sure you're pronouncing that right <laughs> i i
1: i think so i forget on the, the simpsons they there was a a joke where they called them what, l spielbergo or, or something but um <laughs> but yes the, the Fablemans. do you want to talk about the Fablemans? <laughs>
0: well the Fablemans. yes it's by steven spielberg And we all know he's done a lot of stuff, and I'm not gonna list what he's famous for. I will say that the last film that he is famous for is West Side Story. And uh, this, however, takes him back to some more familiar territory. You have families, uh, young boys, you know, things like that. Um, So this this is the story. uh, It's an autobiographical story, in fact of a young boy who becomes enamored with the movies from an early age and becomes obsessed with making them. And so it shows, you know, him growing up and getting more and more into the actual nuts and bolts of filmmaking, like to the point where he's, uh, he's from a well enough to do family that he's getting cameras for, for his birthday or for Hanukkah or, you know, and uh, editing equipment and things like that. So he's actually getting involved and uh, getting his friends to act in it. So, you know, it's got that sort of charm. It's got that innocence from childhood. It's got that charm. It's got that obsession. Um, And, of course, it's got family dynamics that go along with it. And uh, it's got a star-studded cast because, you know, it's El Spielbergo. (laughs) <laughs> and he, he he attracts all the big ones. And, of course, I didn't write down all the people because there's so many of them. Oh,
1: yeah, there's too many.
0: There's too many. Um, there, and so I, I found that, you know, it works best. It works like it's got some, like, really wonderful moments, some heartwarming moments. Uh, there's some really funny, funny moments um, and of course, it's got one of my favorite moment, like stories towards the end about uh, him meeting a famous filmmaker, which I had heard this story before, but to see it like performed, um, I think was done in a like perfectly sort of exaggerated over the top way, which is true to form if you know anything about the filmmaker that he met. Mm-hmm. This will all make sense when you see the film. Um, so this is more of a crowd pleaser and a bit more sentimental um, than West Side Story. And I, I I, got really excited when I saw West Side Story because I thought, oh, oh, yeah, OK, Spielberg can be exciting, you know, because I had gotten sort of lulled. I'm, I'm not a, a huge Spielberg fan, so I, I, and I'm not a musical fan. Mm-hmm. And so I watched West Side Story because I thought, well, I have to, you know, everyone's talking about it.
1: And this one didn't um, excite you in the same way?
0: It did not. No, because okay. it, it cinematically. Um, he's just not taking the chances that he took. He's not uh, getting formally engaged in an interesting way with the material. He is serving the material. And in fact, um, he's, he's crafted a, a great character study movie, which is great. It's the kind of movie that, you know, when it comes on TV and you see it, it's like E.T. You watch it, you know, it's fine. In fact, I I can't watch E.T. anymore because it's too much, but you know what I mean? Like this one is like, yeah, it's got some really good characters and stuff and people will get nominated for awards for this. And, and yeah, and it is a crowd pleaser. So, I wouldn't be surprised if it got an audience award.
1: Yeah, it's definitely um it's definitely a crowd pleaser. I I liked it. Um it's one that as you said, it's sweet, it's sentimental, um not overly so, but it is one of those that it kind of makes you smile, makes you feel a little warm and fuzzy. Um, my only complaint with it is I felt like some of the threads didn't really connect as well. Like there's a certain aspect where um the main character sam or sammy is in high school and he's in a new high school and there's there's an arc with some bullies that never really went anywhere interesting for me like i thought the stuff with his parents dynamics and the unfolding problems within their bond i thought was more interesting but overall yeah it's it's a good movie it's it's one that i you know, wouldn't be surprised if it wins the people's choice because it, it is a crowd pleaser. Um and it's playing a lot. It's just I wouldn't say it's like my favorite of the festival, but I would still recommend yeah. people see it. Um, but there's one that you saw that I'm actually interested about because I didn't get a chance to see it. Um I'm trying to think of the t- was it something you said? Was something that you remember? said
0: last night? Okay. It's by uh local filmmaker Luis de Felipe. And uh this is her first feature. She um, she won an award at Sundance for her short for Nona Anna.
1: Oh, yeah. That was great.
0: So, yeah, which, yeah, I loved. So I was really excited to see this. And talk about family dynamics. This is the way to make a family dynamic interesting. This is the way you cinematically make it interesting, but also formally I mean, definitely, she doesn't do like a lot that's like overtly, you know, in your face, formally, with the material. But it's subtle, and um, it's beautifully poetic, and that's what's you know, that's what's wonderful about it. But also, yeah, on the level of the script and the performances, and okay, let me just let me just tell you, it's basically it's a family vacation. Ren is our main character, and Ren is a 20 something aspiring writer. And she's basically <laughs> feels like she's been guilted into joining the family vacation at the cottage. Uh, basically, she and her sister, like, grudgingly get in the car at the beginning of the film and off they go. And uh, the parents are very much in love, which you don't you don't usually see anymore, you know, a middle-aged couple like that much in love. Um, And the weird thing is, is the mother, like, here's where things could have gotten a bit um, predictable, you know, in a way, like the mother is a bit, she's a bit overly doting. She's a bit overly, what's the word? Passive aggressive, you know, (laughs) she just, gets involved in everybody's lives too much. Um, So that's that's a bit, but the way that the film handles the entire family dynamic, dad is much more laid back and and quiet, you know, the mother, the mother is in a weird way, you know, as doting as she is, she's also completely self-absorbed. So there's this, you know, and then the sister is younger, so she's got her own thing going on when she gets there, you know, and she's amongst all the beach young people like uh, the people on the beach that are young it's all the things that are starting to happen in amongst the family all could have gone in a very predictable way and it didn't it didn't in the film which which is what i really loved and what um i especially appreciated was the fact that it's uh it's subtle in in many ways like a lot of the times it's like it's the pacing it can get things get volatile because that's what family dynamics are pressures. Like there's stuff percolating under the surface. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's, there's family secrets, there's tensions between people, there's personality clashes and, and boom, there's some, some sort of like little explosion. There's a little tragedy that happens and then boom, but everybody loves each other. So it gets smoothed over. Like, yeah, it, yeah, and within the next second, you know? so so that's the beauty of the film. You just like 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 a summer day, you just like sit back and enjoy it okay, and just watch, good. you know, it's it's really, really, really well done. It's hard to pull off such subtlety, mm-hmm.
1: so I'm going to talk about a film that I, I know we both saw from a Canadian director. and this is Clement Virgo's brother it's his first film and i believe 16 years based off of the david um sharandi novel of the same name and the film follows two brothers who uh, michael and francis who are growing up in scarborough in the 90s and it's a kind of a coming age tale while set in the community of scarborough which is enduring a lot of um violence a lot of poverty there's a lot of immigrants working long hours and forced to leave their their children at home alone and also there's plenty of encounters with the police and with this film similar to the book jumps back and forth through three distinct periods of time so we see the boys when they're really young when they're teenagers where a lot of the conflict happens and then later on um something Traumatic happens, and we see the fallout of that 10 years later. Um, I really liked this film. Um, I thought it was... The adaptation was better than I thought it was going to be, because the subject matter is is so gritty, yet Clement Virgo's skill as a filmmaker makes it beautiful and poetic. Like it, it, at the, And that's not to take away from the grittiness of it, but you really feel the emotion, you understand the awkwardness, the sense of danger that's always kind of lurking around these two brothers, the grief that kind of cripples certain individuals later on. Um, like it's its just a, a really powerful work. And I haven't seen Scarborough filmed like that before. So I, I highly recommend that one.
0: I absolutely agree. Yeah, with what you're saying. Um, but there were there are a couple of times where story wise, I thought, oh, this is like a familiar territory, and uh, it's heading into something that might be sentimental, and you know, mm-hmm. might be like too familiar, and should be careful. And then, yeah, he was like <laughs> the way the way that Clement Virgo presented it was like, oh my God, this is breaking my heart. Yeah. It it was so moving when there was like the critic in me was going, oh you be careful with this material right you know and then boom he was um the characters are so very well portrayed very well rendered um, yeah the
1: performances are are fantastic
0: yeah absolutely yeah and like um it's like it's it's like real people like you know and i know that sounds naive but um it's it i just got so absorbed into the story even though that at the beginning there was that critic sitting you know sitting there Mm -hmm. and she's going all right let's see but i love clement virgo's work so the critic wasn't sitting there waiting to criticize yeah right she was just like watching certain cues with the the stories right and i was just like okay okay families got to be careful with families right and then it was like oh okay (laughs) Uh uh-oh and boom before i knew it the hanky was out you know it was like okay it 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 was powerful i I should just shut up because i'm just (laughs) babbling like an idiot now.
1: (laughs) no 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 it's it's a it's a it's a really wonderful film And, and the last thing i'll say is like the film as i mentioned jumps back and forth through three different time periods like and sometimes those those moments are very brief so you're in one section for literally 30 seconds and then you flip to another section, another point in time. But I loved how, especially early on, he leaves subtle cues to let you know what year they're in, you know, and the camera moves a certain way so that you see a certain something that triggers that you go, okay, I know exactly what year this is. And yeah, Yeah. it's it's just a wonderful work.
0: Yes, but also in coming in jumping back and forth, like even within time periods, You know, like you said, like jumping back for for a few seconds here and there or for, you know, a short time period and then jumping back again. Um, He did it so skillfully that it never felt jarring. It always made sense. Mm -hmm. It always added to it um, the juxtaposition of the different uh, things that were happening in the in the different time periods. Not only always made sense, but they always um, enhanced Mm-hmm. what was going you know each other like things were always um adding on and it was just like adding on and adding on and adding on to to the greater story to the greater picture the greater yeah. portrayal as you say it's, it's this portrayal of life in Scarborough right yeah. and life life for this family and this community
1: um speaking of jumping around in time you saw the eternal daughter do you want to talk about that
0: wow okay so this is another one where like jumping around she jumps around in time and space joanna hogg this is her latest film uh she made the souvenir part one and the souvenir part two and so for the eternal daughter she um she just she goes back she's she's really good with memory right and uh, this one stars Tilda Swinton in a dual role it's the woman who goes to this um it's now a hotel but it was this place where her mother um as a child it was some sort of family kind of home where her, her mother had all these childhood memories and so Tilda Swinton in the the younger is trying to she's thinking that she's going to like put together a script of the experience of learning her mother's story and putting it into a film version right of of both the the process of her mother remembering and of what happened and what what happened was just simply like her mother remembering family events and then you know this one's also about family as well and the special relationship that Um, she has with her mother Um, and her mother is, you know, sort of delicate, maybe, you know, she's, she's obviously older, but, and she she just seems to be of a more delicate kind of constitution than her daughter. And so in terms of time, what, what she does is she seems to jump back and forth in time. We're not really sure what's going on because it starts off in this very like Victorian gothic way there's like there's like uh, like uh, this this property with lots of trees lots of fog this mysterious car driving up through that and things just start to happen in terms of our perceptions of time and space and perhaps something not being exactly the way it is so it starts to feel like perhaps this is a ghost story. Hmm. But then, then the, the way she, the filmmaker signals that the way she's jumping around, it's like maybe it's a memory thing. And she she shows us that she's doing this by using a lot of mirroring images where. We see peop- we see the two Tildes, the two, the mother and the daughter, through mirrors and sometimes they're talking to each other where one is a mir- in a mirror reflection of the other or they're both in a mirror reflection and there were times when i swore like they had twin beds in one room and i swore that the mother was not like there's a, a rule about cinematic space right you're supposed to shoot on a certain axis and that gives the the viewer the sense of the space well all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, she broke the rule. And the mother's not on that side, she's on that side, but she, you know, and then, yeah. <laughs> you know, you realize it's the mirror. But sometimes she won't show you that it's the mirror. Which oh, okay. that's yeah. what messes with your head, right? Mm-hmm. And so an interesting thing starts to happen in terms of our perception of what exactly is going on. So all I'm gonna say there's a lot going on. And I'm just going to say that Tilda Swinton, as usual, is extraordinary. And if you have the slightest inkling, uh, like, you think you like Tilda, you're going to love her, especially after this. This is a phenomenal film that's very, very, very powerful.
1: Okay, well, that sounds good. Um, I'm going to talk about a a smaller film in terms of scales. There's no star-studded um, cast in it, but it's a Canadian film called until Branches Bend by Sophie Jarvis. And I was really taken by this film. It's one that I've kind of thought about a lot over the course of the festival. And I think what I love about it is, is it's a simple story about a woman by the name of Robin, um, played by Grace Glow And she's working at like a peach factory in this small community and discovers that there's like a wormhole in one of the peaches when she's doing quality control and she opens it up and there's like this really weird insect in it takes to her boss boss is like don't worry about it nothing to be concerned about but it's still eating at her head in her mind and then she starts to investigate a bit more Tells someone else about it, and becomes this huge thing the plant closes down temporarily and the plant is basically the lifeblood of the community so she be kind of becomes public enemy number one. But over the course of the film, Jarvis plays with your perception and you realize that it's not just like a street drama. It's more of like a psychological thriller. And you start to question whether or not the bug really is there. Even though you you saw it at the beginning, you're like, well, did I actually see it or was it in her mind? And the people in the town, there's no actual proof of it except for what was on her phone, right? And it, it's just a really interesting way of kind of manipulating the viewer in terms of showing them something, saying this is what it is, and then slowly starting to make you doubt yourself, just like how the main character is starting to doubt herself. And then there's also a lot of subtext about women often being placed in positions where they have to be the one that puts their life online for truth, while society is also taking away their autonomy and it's 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 a fascinating uh little film and i've it's one that i always tell people if you if if you're at tiffin you have room you want to see a smaller film until branches has been i don't know why it's just kind of really stuck with me um i will also talk about one slightly bigger but an, uh canadian director stephen williams um, some people might remember him from his groundbreaking debut soul survivor i guess back in the 90s and he's done a, a lot of great um work in the world of television but he's back making feature films
0: also when he made his debut with his first feature it was the same year that clement virgo made his debut with yeah, his first feature. yeah with rude
1: that's that's right um and it's it's good that after both lengthy absences from feature filmmaking they're both back this year and um williams has directed a film called chevalier which i absolutely loved so far it's like my favorite of of the festival um and it stars kelvin harrison jr who some people might remember from waves or the high note and he's playing joseph bologna who was a french um composer and he was essentially one of the greats he was you know better than mozart was the the chevalier under underneath um Marie Antoinette. You know for a time being but he got erased from the history books um, partly because he was a black man and this film is is a fictionalized version of of his life and it's it's really well done you see him basically kind of being taken from his mother because his mother was a slave and his father was the mother's owner master and kind of wanted to hide his indiscretions and he gets put into this elite French school and kind of has to work his way up the ranks and to the point where he is so invested in French society and French culture that he kind of loses sight of how the world especially how France sees him as a man and it's just as the revolution is starting to build up and there's people are in the streets are angry because there's poverty, what have you. And Marie Antoinette's living the lavish life. And all of this is culminating um, just as he's kind of getting a, a crash course in how no matter how f- how hard he's achieved and how much he's done, they still view him as a black man and they can easily take away everything that he's got. But the performances are fantastic. Um, I I won't get into the story any further than that, but I, it was, it was a rousing crowd pleaser, but in a really good way. Sometimes when we say crowd pleaser, we think, okay, it's going to be kind of your standard ABC, but the performances and the way how Williams crafts this really lavish period piece was, was well done. So, uh, and it was a pleasant surprise. I didn't think I was going to be as taken with, with the film, but
0: that sounds great. Yeah, Yeah. it's
1: why we go to the the theater, the cinema, and I think we should end off with a film that's pretty much aptly titled I Like Movies.
0: Yeah, isn't that perfect?
1: (laughs) You want to talk about that one?
0: (laughs) Yes, the perfect segue. I Like Movies is the feature debut from Chandler Levesque. And uh, this is her touching, empathetic look at... A self-obsessed and very curmudgeonly young man, teenager, right? And um, and how he he's just so obsessed with movies. He doesn't know how to handle relationships with people. He he doesn't know how to function in the real world. I mean, he's got his own problems, which we learn about. Like he's he's got his own th- things to uh, that he has has to grapple with his own challenges in life. Um, But uh, basically, you know, we get get a kick, all of us moviegoers, we get a kick out of this snobby, out of the things that come out of this guy's mouth. He gets a job at Blockbuster, basically. And um, the way that he's obsessed with movies, and he wants everybody to watch certain films only, and he can't, he cannot sort of function as a as a video store employee that is supposed to cater to like all tastes and all people uh, is funny. Uh, But the film is also balanced beautifully with, uh, you know, the more serious that, you know, like I said, the challenges of being a teenager. um, It's it's I, I thought it was really well balanced in terms of Giving us a, a portrait, an empathetic portrait of this this individual, of this kid, of his difficulties, of and how things develop and how things how he grows, right as a person. Um, certain things uh, there are moments that are hilarious in it, and cer- certain things um, there are moments that are heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, I and, I really yeah. like that one, and I think what I liked about it as well is. He- The main character, even though he's, you know, a teenager about to go to college or university, hopefully the film acknowledges that he's a jerk, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it doesn't try and sugarcoat it. His manager, um, who's this woman that apparently had some time in the film industry and then may or may not have quit or may have experienced some darker the darker side of the industry she calls him out on a lot of of his stuff and yeah. it adds an interesting dynamic to it because i think as film people we always love movies about movies you know the fableman as much as it's a family drama it's still a, a, a movie about loving movies so we sometimes forget that this love that we have for the art sometimes brings out the worst in us, <laughs> you know, the <laughs> egos, the the arrogance. And we see that in this, this young man who has to learn that there is more to life than movies. Like movies is an important part of life, but you have to know how to ad- adapt to it. And I thought it was really well done. It's funny. It's got some interesting, tender moments to it. Um, but it never feels like it's selling itself short. Like, you know, you could you, this is a director who's in complete command of every aspect of it. And it it just worked so, so well.
0: Yeah. And I love the fact that she didn't hide the fact that this this is an indie film. This mm. is an indie film that loves movies. It's the movie itself loves movies. Right. And she's not going to hide the fact that this is an indie film. And it's, you know, she and the film are quite proud of that fact. Yeah. And that that in itself is a slightly ironically snobbish thing to do, <laughs> but also a wonderfully refreshing thing to do, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I, I recommend. I like movies. I highly recommend that one.
0: Yeah. Me too. Absolutely. All right. Well, on that note. We like movies. and we, We've we just recommended a whole bunch of them, right? It's terrible when I end on such a tacky joke. It, it seems to be happening too often, but.
1: You know what? It's the.
0: It the, is what it is.
1: It's the <laughs> festival. The festival at this point, everyone's tired. The, the jokes may not be the A material, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's the movies. That's what we're here for.
0: <laughs> that's right. All right, uh, we're coming back with more. We're going to do our wrap-up of the festival. So in the meantime, uh, yeah, we recommend you go to the movies. So for Courtney Small, I'm Barbara Gosofsky. This has been Frameline. Thanks for listening.